Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. Can you imagine anything better or more important than sitting at the banquet table in God's kingdom one day? In this classic message from Cornerstone Church, Francis Chan breaks down the parable of the great feast in Luke chapter 14 and shows us why there is no valid excuse for declining the greatest invitation we could ever receive. You know, a, a couple, I don't know, a few years ago, I was speaking at a youth conference, and before I got up, they, uh, they had you write down on a piece of paper, he had, you know, had everyone in the crowd there, all these youth, write down, if you could speak to anyone on the earth for an hour, who would you pick? Okay, if you could pick anyone, no matter how famous, how big they are, whatever, and you just, just always want to just sit down in a room and talk to them for an hour, who would you pick? I mean, think about that. If you could pick anyone in the room just to have a one-on-one interview with for an hour, who would you choose? I picked Michael Jackson. Because <laughs> I just thought, that would just be, I would just love to get in a room with him and go, what goes on in your head? You know, what, what, what I, I mean, just, it's just so interesting. And I just want to know, what are your beliefs? What do you think? What, you know, have you ever, um, you probably thought I was going to say something more spiritual than that, but, uh, but have you ever um, felt like it was such an honor to speak to someone that you, uh, you got nervous? And like you, you start fumbling over your words, your mouth gets dry, you don't know quite what to say. Have you ever gotten that feeling while speaking to someone? Um, Maybe it may be a boss, you know, your boss or the president of some company or you know, someone really well known and you just feel like, gosh, I, I'm feeling nervous right now. I mean, it's only happened a few times in my life, but it's happened. I remember the first time it happened was when I first spoke to Lisa, you know, because here's this girl that I just was blown away by, and I thought, okay, she's out of my league, but I'm going to try to talk to her, you know, and I just, you know, and I, I really just, in my mind, I had decided I'm going to ask her out, I'm going to ask her out, you know, and I started talking, and I just didn't make any sense, I, you know, I started just getting scared, and I just kind of backed out and walked away from it all. And then, uh, you know, the next time I talked to her, I go, hey, this time I'm going to ask her, I'm going to ask her out. And, you know, again, it's just that feeling where you're just not yourself, you can't even speak, you know, but, but eventually I got the words out and, and, uh, and she said, yeah, I'll go out with you or whatever she said. Anyways, uh, that week I remember calling her. I remember talking to her on the phone for the first time, you know, to set up the date and everything. And, uh, and I just remember I'm on the other side on this phone just pacing, you know, because I'm just trying to keep her on the line because to me it's like the longer I speak to her, you know, the better chance I got of, you know, just getting in with her. So I'm just talking and, and just trying to come up with things to say, you know, just questions. Uh, you like trees? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just whatever. Just I just wasn't myself because it was like I can't believe I'm talking to her. I'm on the line with her. Well, it's 12 years later now and... Uh, when she calls me on the phone, it's like, hey, what's up? <laughs> and there's something about familiarity, you know, that kind of makes everything just seem kind of common. And you guys, the one thing I don't want to happen in my lifetime is for me to ever lose that feeling of honor when I speak to God. Okay, my, my prayer is that, you know, if I'm still alive in 50 years, that when I pray to God, that I would still get kind of nervous. That my voice would still kind of shake or, or just, you know, you just get that feeling of, I can't believe I'm talking to God right now. Is that what your prayer life is like? Where it is still an absolute honor 
where you just think, I can't believe I am talking to the Creator and He is listening to me? Or has it become common to where you can uh, just kind of speak to Him like, no big deal, and even at times be rude? You know, I, I think about what it must have been like in the Old Testament times. You know, when you don't just go into God's presence, but there was that, you know, if this were the temple, there would be that, that inner room, that holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant sat. And to, to come face to face with God, it meant you walked into that room, but you can't. You're not allowed to walk in that room. You couldn't walk behind that curtain where the Ark dwelt because the presence of God was in that place. I mean, the, the, the thought of, of walking into a room where that's where, in a sense, God dwelt there in the Old Testament. And he, and he marked his presence there. And, and it was only for the high priest to go in that room once a year to kind of speak on behalf of the people. And it was a, it was a scary thing. I mean, for that, the high priest, once a year, he would do this cleansing and this atoning, you know, where he would sprinkle blood on the altar. And then, you know, then he could walk into that room and come into the presence of God. And, and, you know, what some say is that they would have these, these uh, kind of these jingly bells on the, on the hem of their gowns as they walked in, because that would make noise. And the whole point was, you know, as long as they could hear the noise in there, they'd know that the priest was still alive. I mean, it was, that, it was a terrifying thing, because people would die going in the presence. I mean, you know, one guy, when they're transporting the ark, touched the ark, you know, and he immediately died, because you weren't allowed to touch the ark. I mean, there were very specific regulations. The moment he touched it, he fell dead. God, God, God cursed him. He died. I mean, it's an, it was an incredible thought, so you can't just walk in this room, and so they literally wear these bells, and I'm also told that, that you know, that, that they would tie a rope around their ankle. I mean, the whole idea is that they would walk in and because if they died in the presence of God, you know, and you hear jingle, 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 clank, you know, <laughs> then it's not like you could walk in there and pull them out because then you'd walk in and you'd die and then they just start piling up, you know. And, and so it's this whole picture of this, you know, pulling the guy out. He died in the presence of God. It was just this honor. You don't just walk into the presence of God. It's an incredible moment when you approach the presence of God. I mean, what if, what if it were like Old Testament times right now? And let's say you're here today, and let's say you were the high priest. Okay, think about this. You were the high priest, and today was that one time a year where you were the one that was going to walk into that room where the ark dwelt, where the glory of God was, and you were going to enter into the presence of God the Creator. You're the one human being on the earth that will get to walk into there. And you knew that was going to take place today. What would you feel right now? Think about this. Seriously, what would you feel thinking, I'm going to come face to face with God? I think you'd be a little nervous. I think you'd be sitting here confessing every sin you could think of. You know? I mean, I, I just think that the thought of... I am going to enter this room and come and encounter God. What an awesome thought. Is that what you think when you pray? Or do you see this as two totally different things? Because it's not. See, that's the way I want to enter into prayer. 
when I come before God that, man, this is such an honor because I'll, I'll feel that with people on the earth that I'll get scared to talk to. And it's like, man, I'm talking to the one who made them, the creator, the one who determines what happens on this little planet, what happens with my life. Is it still an honor to speak to God? In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 19, he says this. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. He says, brothers, we have confidence now that you and I, we get to enter that most holy place. Why? He says, because of the blood of Jesus. You see, when Jesus died, that moment he died on the cross, the Bible says that in the temple, miraculously, that, that, that curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple, it split open, it tore open. You see, it was a picture, it was symbolizing, now we have direct access to God. That passage in Hebrew says it's because of his body. His body was the curtain. His body that was broken for us gives us access to God now. You see, I can go and I can come in the presence of God now because, you see, the reason why people would die is because they would go in sinful. Like there's something they didn't do right, you know, and they weren't atoned for their sins. But now because Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, he already paid for everything that I've done wrong. And so I can come before God boldly. I can come before that throne and say, I know, I've screwed up, but Jesus died for me. He already paid for my penalty. And I can now boldly come into the presence of God, but it's still an awesome thought. It's still an amazing thought to think, I am coming before that God. As long as I'm alive, I, I sure hope this doesn't become old to me. I sure hope that when I walk in this room and I sing to the Lord, that it's still an absolute honor and that when I go to bed at night or whenever during the day and I pray to him that I just still get that feeling of I can't believe I'm speaking to him right now. Is it still an honor for you? Do you still count it an incredible privilege to enter the Holy of Holies and speak to Almighty God? I'm going to give you a minute or two right now just to do that. And I want you to think about what you're about to do. You're going to talk to God. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, I was speaking down in San Diego. I, I think it was two weeks ago. I wasn't here. I was speaking down there. And uh, before service, I got together with the worship guy of this, this church I was speaking at, this guy Eric. And we, we just started to pray. And um, as we prayed, I just I, I said to God, I go, God, you know, I just... I want something different during this service. You know, the last thing I want is just to give another message and go through another church service. I said, God, just show me your power one way or another. I go, man, I, even if you have the whole roof cave in and kill us all, you know, just do something. And after I prayed, I thought, what in the world did I just pray, you know? But those were the words that came out of my mouth because you ever just get bored and you just go, Lord, I just, I just want something supernatural. I just want to see you change my life completely, radically. 
You know, and that's what I've been praying for our services this last couple of weeks, just that, you know, what, wherever you're at in life, because we, we've all got different issues. We're all in different stages, dealing with different things. And, and there's no way I can walk up here and suddenly change everyone's life and deal with whatever specific issue you're dealing with right now. But God can. And I pray that he does that. I pray that some of you are, are dealing with financial stress. It's got you freaked out, and that's all you can think about. Others of you, you know, maybe, maybe this week you found out you were diagnosed with cancer or, or a loved one was, or you, you've got a, a friend that's, you know, in the hospital right now. Or, you know, some of you, you're dealing with sin issues. You're dealing with stuff that, man, no one knows about except for you. And you're trying to decide, you know, what am I going to do? Am I going to give it all to the Lord? Others, you, you're being tempted. You're trying to hold on, you know, to your faith and everything else. But, man, you sure want to give up. And, and everyone's in a different place. And, and I just pray that whatever you need to deal with before God, that he would change you in a serious way, in a radical way. But that you would count it an honor to uh, come before this God today and not just kind of treat him as, you know, just some common object or another friend of yours. Um, and I really pray that God will work in everyone's life in, in a huge way today. You know, it, instead of just reading the passage, I, I put the passage on PowerPoint because I want, I want you guys just to read it through. So it's just you and the Word of God first. And just, just read through the passage that we're going to study today out of Luke chapter 14. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with this parable that Jesus taught. Um, and those who aren't, you probably figured out, you know, kind of the general idea of what Jesus was saying. You know, obviously the, the, the master or the one who is holding the banquet is God. Okay, that's, that's what this parable is talking about. That God holds this banquet, you know, in, inviting people to come and dine with him. But the first group that, you know, kind of said they were going to, they said, ah, oh, suddenly they had all these excuses. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I got a better offer. I got to go, you know, check out my field. I got to check out my ox. I got to go, you know, check out my wife. You know, I got, I had all these things that I've got to do. And the owner gets angry. The master gets angry and says, you know what? You got a better offer. Forget it. Go, go do your thing then. But he tells the servant, why don't you go out and get other people who aren't too busy for me? Why don't you go out on the streets, get the beggars, get anyone you can. I want my house to be full. And so he goes and he fills up the place with all these other people. And uh, at the end, the master says, and he goes, and make sure those people that were invited at first, that they don't get anything. Okay? That if they come back saying, hey, can I get a doggy bag now or whatever? Just say, forget it. You had your chance. You don't get anything. You missed out. Because this, this master was angry. This, this, this guy that was holding this banquet. It's this picture of God, and Jesus is speaking to these people. Remember, remember the scene here, okay? It's, it's still the same scene as last week, where Jesus was at dinner at this Pharisee's house. Remember that? And he heals the guy with dropsy, you know, and then talks about the Sabbath issue. Then he confronts them about taking the police places of honor, you know, when they sit in those seats. He says, why don't you humble yourself? And then he says to his host, he goes, hey, when you have a banquet, why, don't invite all these rich people all the time. Why don't you invite the poor? Why don't you invite someone that can't pay you back, and then you'll be really blessed. And then, you know, this guy here, you know, in verse 15 chimes up, and he says, hey, speaking about blessed and speaking about feast, he basically goes, he goes, man, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God, right? He says to Jesus, can you imagine what a blessing it's going to be when, when we get to eat at this feast, at this kingdom of God? Now, what he's talking about is uh, in, in, in Isaiah 25, it talks about this feast that God is going to hold. Okay, not just as a normal feast, but a feast that God would hold. And it also speaks about in Revelation. 
Revelation chapter 19. In fact, we can look at the Revelation passage. Revelation 19 is, is another reference to that Isaiah 25 um, passage. But it, Revelation 19, we talked about this years ago when we went through the book of Revelation. Revelation, last book in the Bible, talking about the end times, talking about the end of the world, talking about the eternal state. But in Revelation 19, it says, verse 7, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. Then the angel said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the lamb. Okay, it's talking about at the end. Okay, God talks about when he, when he talks about himself, he talks about Jesus being like a groom and us, those of us who believe in him here on the earth, like a bride. And it's this picture of this marriage. And it talks about how at the very end is when this ceremony kind of takes place, when Christ comes and, and we kind of meet with him, and then we have like the wedding banquet, this feast. And so that's what this guy is speaking of, you know, from, from Isaiah in the Old Testament, talking about this feast that God's going to hold. And he's saying, man, blessed is the person that's going to be a part of that feast. I mean, it, it's like when you go to a wedding. Like, I don't know when last time you went to a wedding. Most likely they had a reception. Maybe it was a sit-down dinner or something like that where you sit down, you celebrate what just took place. These two have come together. Same thing in, in the Old Testament times, in, in their days, except that the feast that they would have afterwards sometimes would last days. Okay, I mean, it was a serious celebration of this marriage, these people that have come together. And so it's this picture of him saying, man, blessed are those who are going to be at that feast. Okay, that we are the bride. And it talks about there in Revelation how we're given like this white gown showing our purity because of what Christ did for us, you know, and, and because of our acts and because of us living the way God, God is, you know, or the true followers of Christ will. It's like we're given these gowns and we're coming in the presence of God and it's that day. I mean, imagine, imagine what it would feel like if we were there right now. You ever, um, like when you go on vacation, okay, let's, let's, let's imagine, imagine next Sunday you're going to be sent off on a cruise, okay, for a month, okay, it's a really good cruise, okay, and, and you know, just the greatest ship and everything else. Now, this next week, up until next Sunday, you're going to be going crazy, trying to get everything in order, you know, set everything in place or whatever else, you know, and, and uh, but imagine the moment next Sunday when you step onto that cruise ship. I mean, you know that feeling where you just go, okay, now my vacation starts. You know, you ever have that? Like sometimes it's when you sit on the plane or you finally get in the car after everything's packed. It's like, okay, I'm driving away from my world. I'm driving away from all the stress, all the busyness. It's done, and now I can focus. You know what a great feeling that is? You know, I don't know what that moment is for you, but it hits some point. It's like, now it's it. I just click, and I go in vacation mode, and it's, it's the greatest. Well, imagine what it's going to be like when you sit down at that feast where you go, life on earth is over, okay? No more dealing with sin, fighting it. No more dealing with people who don't believe like I do, looking at me as weird for, for keeping my, my beliefs. 
I don't have to deal with the world getting more and more corrupt. I don't have to deal with wondering if anyone's going to die on me or I'm going to get sick or they're going to get sick or this or that. I'm None of that. It's, it's all over. I mean, imagine that moment you sit down and there's Jesus and here's this banquet and here's everything else. And it's like, I don't have to deal with another thing. I don't have to worry about anything. No more pain, no more tears forever. Because let's face it, some of us are tired. Some of us, it's like, you know, I want to live the way God wants me to, but it seems like it gets harder and harder every day. And the temptations are right there in my face, and I just want to give up and give in to them. But I fight and I fight, and sometimes you feel like you're just hanging on by a thread, like, man, this is killing me. You just want it to be over. I'm not going to lie to you. There's, there's times when I'm on an airplane with my wife and my two girls, and I think to myself, it'd be pretty cool if this thing went down. Seriously, I just think, you know, and it just, I'm with my family, and we just go get ushered right in the presence of God. This would be pretty cool. I mean, for us, maybe not everyone else on the plane, but, you know, I just think... There's a side of me, and you think, well, that's, that's kind of morbid. It's like, no, 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 that's biblical. You, you have people like the Apostle Paul who goes, man, when I'm on this earth, I'm just groaning. I can't wait to be clothed in my heavenly dwelling. I can't wait to get there. I desire much more to just depart and be with Christ. That'd be so much better, but I know I'm here. I'm supposed to be on the earth. And there's times I think that. I think about all the things I've gone through, all the things I will go through. And I think, man, if I went right now, I got my two little girls with me, my wife, and it's like, man, to be in heaven with them right now? Man, what an incredible thought. And I don't have to worry about them growing up and dating your sons, you know, and just, you know, it's just over with and I'm there. I mean, you ever think that? Just like, I want to get there. I want to get there, you know? But we know, we know on this earth, you know what? Hard times are ahead. They're ahead for all of us. And, and it's a struggle and it's a pain and that's, that's normal. That's the way the, the saints felt. It's like, get me out, get me over there. And that's why this guy's going, man, blessed are those. Blessed is the person I'll be sitting at that feast. Imagine that moment. I mean, what if, could you imagine if I could push a fast forward button right now, just through our lives where we could all just go, all of us, you know, and then boom, we're all right now. Imagine, I'm looking at you across the table at the feast with Jesus. I mean, can you imagine? What would that feel like? I mean, just going, man, we're here. You know, everything we ever prayed for. And I don't know about you, but it's, it's that hope. It's like, gosh, that moment is going to be so incredible. You and I just looking at each other. Those of us in this room that are true believers will be looking at each other going, we're here. Remember all that garbage we put up with in the world? Remember all the trials and all the struggles, and now we're here forever. This is the greatest. And wouldn't it be so cool if I could just push a button right now and boom, we're there. See, when he says, blessed is the man that's sitting at that feast, he isn't kidding. I mean, what a moment that's going to be. And so then Jesus breaks into this parable and he, he says, yeah, you know, let's talk about this feast. He goes, it's like the guy, you know, who says, hey, I want you to come to that feast. God's like the man who says, I want you to come to this feast. But once it's time and everything's prepared and all the food's ready, and he sends a servant, hey, tell him the food's all ready, it's all on the table. Suddenly the first guy goes, I can't go right now. I, I just bought a field, I gotta go tend to it. 
Second guy goes, oh, I just bought, you know, five yoke of oxen. You know, that's five pairs of oxen, you know. So basically, he had a lot of land and he had a big farm. It's basically someone saying, today, I just bought five tractors. You go, okay, this guy's serious. He's got to go. The other guy goes, well, well you know, I, I just got married. I got to go back to my wife, you know. And it's like, okay, he can't go. So he comes back to the master and says, hey, they're all too busy. And the master just gets angry. He says, forget them, then. Forget them. Go out and get everyone else you can. Fill this place. You see, Jesus was saying this to these people that are in front of him. Jesus is inviting them to this banquet. And yet so many of them were just like, eh, I got other things going on. Other things that are more important. You guys, there's no excuse. There's nothing more important than dining with Jesus and entering into that relationship if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 20, because I want, to, I want to show you something. In Deuteronomy, Old Testament, chapter 20, it's the fifth book of the Bible. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, you've, you've got something similar to this story. That's why I want to point it out. In Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 5, okay, it's talking to the Israelites about them going to war. And it says, this is what you're supposed to do before going to war. It says, the officers shall say to the army, has anyone built a new house and not dedicated it? Let him go home or else he may die in battle and someone else may dedicate it. Has anyone planted a vineyard and not begun to enjoy it? Let him go home or he may die in battle and someone else enjoy it. Has anyone become pledged to a woman and not married her? Let him go home, or he may die in battle, and someone else marry her. You see, before they went to war, there were these exceptions, you know, just like we have with our army, you know, where, where in, in their case, you know, he says, you know what, if there are these exceptions, if anyone's in there and uh, they just bought a piece of land or they just built a house and they haven't actually lived in it and dedicated it, he says, you know what, let them go home, just like the first guy that bought the field. Second person, you know, if, if someone has a vineyard, you know, or, or, or this farm or whatever else, and he hasn't really reaped the benefits of it yet, you know what, go home and tend to your farm, just like the second guy with the five yoke oxen. He goes, or if any of you, you, you know, you're pledged to be married and you haven't even gotten to the wedding ceremony, you know what, go, go home, have the wedding, you know, you don't have to go to war. Just like the third guy who says, oh, I just got married, I get back to my wife. The whole point is that there were valid excuses for not going to holy war. There were serious ones, but there were valid excuses why a person did not need to go to war. But in this situation, in this parable, Jesus says there is no valid excuse for denying my invitation to have a relationship with you. You don't want to come to my banquet. I don't care what your excuse is. It's not good enough. You don't have time for me. You got a better offer. I don't care what it is. It's stupid. It's pointless. See, that what was valid for, for the wars in the Old Testament, he goes, it's not valid today for what I'm offering you. I'm offering you to dine with me. I'm offering you a relationship with me. It's like the creator of the world, God himself, that God that we're talking about, what an honor it is to speak to him, is down on one knee holding out that ring and saying, will you enter into a relationship with me? God is saying that to you for better, for worse, forever and ever. And for you to look at God and say, not right now. I got something more important. I'm kind of busy right now. It doesn't matter if it has to do with your house, your work, your family, whatever it is, not good enough. 
No excuse is valid. See, these people come up with the excuses, and we look at them, and we go, gosh, man, what a, what a fool to not go to that banquet, not to enter in that relationship with God, and yet people do it all the time. It's going, well, I'm not ready for a relationship with God just yet because, you know, there's some things in my life I'm still holding on to, and I just want to enjoy them for a little bit. Okay, I just want this. I know what's wrong, but I'm, I'm going to change later. I'm going to jump into that relationship and go 100% into it. But right now, no, because there's something else I found. You found, you got a better offer? Whatever you're holding on to, I'm telling you, that is the stupidest thing you've ever done. To say no to God for this other thing, this other person, whatever it is, it is the stupid, the stupidest decision of your life. It's just like these people. And, and, and the point is with that parable is that these people later on, maybe they look into the feast and see everything and go, oh man, I missed out. And he says, you know what? Those people, it's too late. Don't give them a taste of my banquet. It's over with. And you may be too busy for, with God. You know, maybe not right now. You're just getting married. You're just in this relationship. Or maybe you just started this business. You don't have time to serve God. You, don't want, you certainly don't want to give him any of your money right now. You, you don't want to give him any of your time, this or that. You know what? Fine, fine. Go, go to your other offers. The master here doesn't say, no, go back to those people. Keep begging them, keep begging them, keep begging them. He says, no, forget them. If they're too busy, go find other people because there's others of us in this room that will say, you know what? There's nothing greater than being in the presence of God. There's nothing better. It's an absolute honor. I want him. And we'll charge it. And we'll take that seat at that table. Are you making excuses right now? Are you like these people with all these things that you think are valid? You make excuses why, why you, well, I can't get baptized right now. You know, I don't know about this and that. And I, I don't want to get wet in front of people. I don't want to, you know, have to stand in front of people and then have this whole ceremony where I tell everyone, hey, I'm a Christian. You know, I don't know what your excuse is. Why you put it off, but I'm just telling you, it's, it's not valid. Or, well, I was going to serve God. I want to do something for him, but just not this year because I got this, this is, you know, and I'm going to follow him. I am. I'm going to serve him. And I'm going to help people. I'm going to do this. Just not right now. I got other things that are more important. Or how about your time with him? You know, we talked about what an honor to come into the presence of God. And maybe you would say, yeah, I know. I totally believe this. It is an absolute honor for me to get to speak to God. I mean, any day I can just come before him and talk to him and get into his word and spend time alone with him. But I, I've just been busy. There have been other things that have come up. And so I just kind of put God off. I was talking to a couple in our church. I was talking to a guy, you know, and I, I just asked him. It was just three days ago. I said, hey, how's your time with the Lord? With you and your wife, you know, you guys getting some time together with the Lord. You guys uh, praying together, you know, you read your Bibles and this and that. And he says, yeah. He goes, uh, he blew me away. He goes, yeah, you know, actually every morning, me and my wife, we get up together at 345 to pray together. And, uh, and then we kind of go in our separate rooms and read and it's like really you know like I, I mean and I've done that I've gotten up at 345 and I go to the bathroom and I go back to bed you know but but the you know I just thought man this guy and his wife and it's just you know just some random couple I just said hey you know what what do you do with your time with the Lord and I just thought man that's amazing so every morning at 345 that alarm goes off and the two of them get ready and go and pray together and I just you, you know you want something bad enough, you'll make it happen. We got time. No excuse in the world. 
You know, how many things are you doing at 345? You know? You want something bad enough. It's a big enough honor to come into the presence of God and enter that Holy of Holies. You do it. I'm not saying I've always done it. But I'm not going to make excuses and say, well, I was too busy or this or that. The point is, is I chose not to. I chose not to serve. I chose not to read. I chose not to pray. I chose other things that I thought at the time were more important or a better offer. I mean, that, that's the thing. Down here in Southern California, we've got a lot of things to compete with. And we fill our houses with more and more things that God has to compete with. And it's hard to pick up my Bible when it's next to my golf clubs and my surfboard and, you know, my television and, you know, whatever else is over there. It is. And he competes. And a lot of times he loses. Isn't it an honor for you to serve God? Isn't it an honor to dine with him, be with him? Or has it become old and have you gotten better offers? Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. Join us next time for a new episode, but until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org.